Hey everyone, welcome to Wake Dad Drink Repeat, where today's dad is thinks helicopter parenting sounds like a badass adrenaline sport. <laughs> I'm Anthony Palmer. I want to helicopter parent. <laughs> I'm, I'm Michael Smith. I'm sure you really would want a helicopter parent after turning a two-hour drive into a three-and-a-half-hour drive today. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Not yeah, the I same like... thing. I understand that, but helicopters and parenting uh-huh. just faster. <laughs> I wish I had a helicopter to That's fly what I'm getting home. at. Yeah, That's yeah, I understand. That's when a I'm... two-hour car trip turns into a four-hour car trip. <sighs> yeah. yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Anyway, Not as much you're, fun you're... as this week's pod, though. We are talking about raising kids as a pediatric ER doc. This episode is getting to talk to a doctor. Yeah, it is. A doctor and a good friend of ours, let's be honest. Uh, yes. Dr. Ryan Redman. He is a uh, pediatric ER doc at East Tennessee Children's Hospital here in Knoxville. Um, he's also the um, director of emergency medicine there in the ER. So Ryan knows his shit. Um, he's a dad to two. Uh, he's, like I said, a good buddy of ours and we really appreciative of him coming on and giving us some time to talk to us about being a dad who is an ER doc. Yeah. Kind of, uh, kind of, uh, like remnants of when we talked to Karen about sugar, um, it's kind of like you, we freak out. I do cause I'm not the medical profession, but you know, medical people talk to us and then it kind of just calms us down and normalizes us. Um, so it was, it was a good conversation just because you're like, Oh, all right. An ER doc has the same kind of thought process that I have. So it was, it was a comforting dialogue. Yeah. So that's the, I don't know if it calmed me down any, but it definitely normalized my irrational hatred of grapes. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like, okay, I got all of this. No worries. I'm as good as an ER doc. Um, No, not at all, but uh, it it normalizes more than anything else, which is cool. Yeah, for sure. But um, it's a great episode. Um, Ryan is definitely, definitely a, a great dad and a great, physician so it was a lot of fun uh hammering through kind of our our major fears and and hearing his take on it but we're excited for you all to be able to hear it yeah before we smash play review us do it do it do it do it we read all of your reviews it matters to us it helps us spread our message it helps us grow our community and it helps us talk to more people and that's our goal and just having a damn good time in what we're doing uh please rate and review us on apple Podcasts and all of our social media platforms yeah we I mean, just smash highly the, accept it just smash the rate button hit five stars and party on with your day it's not that's it it's good that's all it helps us <laughs> and it took two seconds and we get to move on and keep doing other things like kids spotlight spotlight low light spotlight is a brief moment where we get to press pause just to reflect on our most ridiculous moment of this week so that you being got it said this week, buddy. yeah man i've got it it's pretty uh i've been running a lot in the mornings, just because after I drop Noah off at day school, Nolan and I kind of hop in the double stro- uh, stroller that has like a big winterized carrier. Um, he gets to sit in there with his blanket and just hang out in this big covered carrier, even like in 30 degree weather. Um, but I was rushing. I was late in the morning and I forgot to give um, my dog, 165 pounds St. Bernard, his second cup of food. So right before I ran out of the door, <laughs> like I ran over to his over to his food to get a second cup of food. I threw it 
it in his bowl and I completely stepped in his water bowl with my running shoes on. So my running oh, shoes no. got like, like <laughs> my foot, my, his bowl is so big. My foot completely like spits inside of the bowl without, without a concern. <laughs> So, um, I just slam my foot in there completely. My foot gets uh, completely soaking wet and I still have to run out in the same socks, same shoes, um, and then go run in like 32 degree weather, <laughs> which was, um, it was fun. That, uh, sounds like no fun at all, actually. It's, yeah, yeah. I, you know, when stupid things happen like that, like very dumb and trivial things. And now that we're doing this podcast, I'm like, oh, making notes of this dumb shit. This is good for low light. <laughs> <laughs> So it almost adds a it adds a like a level of comic relief for it just because I know I could use it as content, which is good. Low light spotlight. All right. Well, we are going to save what we're drinking for when we start chatting with Ryan because we were drinking with him, or some of us were drinking with him, and um, we'll talk to you guys on the back end of the conversation. Absolutely. Please enjoy the conversation. All right, we are rolling, and for any listener, they won't realize this is the fourth take on this. We are here with Dr. Ryan Redman. He is the Director of Emergency Medicine at East Tennessee Children's Hospital. Dr. Ryan, thank you for being here, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. Can you really call him doctor after as drunk as you were with him at my bachelor party years ago? I... His his name deems Dr. Ryan to me, and yes... I just want to if make anyone sure. goes, if anyone goes to school to get the doctor, they get called doctor by me. That that's it's very respectful. Very. It's only it's <laughs> only because I'm impressed. I've yeah. seen him do too many things too many times to call him doctor. <laughs> that's not true. He still deserves the doctor. <laughs> and watch your line, sir, because when you need medical help, he might decide if if I need medical help at the same time you need medical help. He's like, well, that son of a bitch uh, yeah, calls that, me doctor. I'm going to help him first. Yeah, the decision here is pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's because I don't call him doctor. I think it's just because he thinks I'm an asshole. But, you know. It's, it's tomato, respect. tomato. It's, there's that too. But. <laughs> it's all about respect. All right. Well, nonetheless, I'm thankful you're here. So I, I don't know about uh, Palmer, but um, I'm thankful you're here to have this conversation and our episode of raising kids as a pediatric ER doc, because that is what you are. That is. That's what, or that's what they tell me. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they tell you. <laughs> yeah. So we're doing this one a little bit different tonight because you're uh, in Asheville drinking. What are you drinking tonight? Oh, you ready for this? Yeah. So my my mom uh, just got back from a trip from Ireland, and they brought me back a four like sampler pack of Irish whiskey. So this is I'm finally, and I won't touch one because I'm saving them all for these episodes, and we haven't yeah. damn recorded the top of the episode yet. Uh, so this <laughs> is finally my t- first one that I get to drink, and I am drinking a Irish whiskey red breast single pot still, um, a twelve year, and all of these hour from the uh, whiskeys of Middleton. That was a lot of information. That, that's impressive. So, <laughs> so that was the most words that I could have said about um, <laughs> what I was drinking. But nonetheless, it's all right here in front of me. And this this um, Irish whiskey red breast is like the most award winning Irish whiskey uh, that they have throughout the world. Good to know. Our, and was, it's damned good. Ours was $28. <laughs> <laughs> It was. I did. In all fairness, I did say that to him. But it's old granddad bought it. Is that, is that, it's really is that the good. name? Of, is that the name of it? It's, it's only twenty eight dollars. It's right on the label. It's old twenty eight dollars. Old twenty eight dollars. 
<laughs> no. So what, what are you guys drinking? We're drinking Old Granddad Bonded, and it's delicious. All right. Is, All right. It, it is That's good. Bad. That is very good. For a, for a $28 bottle, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mad about it. If you have $28 and you need a bottle of bourbon, it's a good answer. I'm not going to argue with that. If you only have $28 and you need bourbon and a little more cash, I would buy something cheaper. Like if you need food. Yeah, additional additional needs. Or meth. <laughs> I, don't think that, I don't think that buys you. I don't know the market market rate of meth. No. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. So why let's let's pull this full circle or you know start the circle. Why is Mr. Dr. Ryan <laughs> Esquire the third? Why why is this man sitting in your living room? Well, because normally on Tuesday nights, Ryan comes over and drinks bourbon with me. That is true. I'm, I'm usually just here. Yeah, it's just, it's just weird. <laughs> he just kind of shows up on Tuesday nights. And, and I keep asking, can I talk into the microphone? And he's like, no. And so, so finally, uh, today he's like, okay, fine. You can talk on the microphone. <laughs> well, good. We might as well put some talk context behind this and all talk around a microphone. Yes. No, Ryan is here with us tonight because Ryan is a pediatric emergency medicine physician. He works uh, at East Tennessee Children's Hospital, like we said, with my lovely wife, Michelle. So um, we've known Ryan for quite some time, Michelle longer than I. Um, We've known each other long enough and are comfortable enough with each other that my daughter, Shepard, hooked his son at our wedding and kissed him. And uh, we went, like, what, a couple weeks of that photo going viral all over the world because Yeah, we talked about it on the Today Show and everything. Yeah. Al, Al Roker said my son's name. That was like the coolest part. <laughs> like, Al Roker knows my son. <laughs> that was the picture where they said, uh, you may now kiss uh, Michelle. And then your kids kissed at the same time, right? And yeah. the photographer, photographer I, I, got it. And that thing went super viral. Like yeah. today's show. It actually, about it, this like is went, super side tangent, but I want Ryan to tell the story of this because it is really funny how this went down. Yeah, so uh so yeah, I wouldn't say that the kids kissed because I think there was only one kid that was uh <laughs> kissing to be fair. Um so this was not consensual. This, this is this is oh, pre me too. Yeah, yeah, this is very <laughs> This was this was very pre me too era. Yeah. Barely, barely. Yeah. So so Anderson all day had walked around and and she was so excited about the wedding and she kind of you know kept talking about her being her the wedding. bride. It was her wedding. And so uh, when they're gathering for pictures, I'm standing behind the photographer and I'm just kind of watching this all unfold. And the photographer gets everyone in line and, you know, the kids are kind of running around, finally gets everyone set. And she says, okay, everyone smile, everyone smile, takes a couple of pictures and then says, okay, bride, kiss the groom. And so Michelle and Anthony kiss. And since they were standing behind the kids, they didn't even see that Anderson had just put Isaac in a headlock and planted one on him. And the look of just pure horror on his face. Of like, what is going on right now? And, uh, and so, yeah, that picture ended up, uh, it's, it's on uh, Awkward Family Photos now. Oh, maybe. it's all over the place. Yeah, is it? It's still around. My, my favorite thing about that photo, so like it was really funny, like the, the 
like life that it lived for a little bit. But what's amazing to me now is when it recycles in the world of social media and all these people commented on it and are like, Oh my God, that wedding must've been in Alabama. Why would those parents let their kids kiss like that? How <laughs> fucked up is that? I'm like, This is the world we live in, but people can't just look at that and laugh at it it's a little like, bit. Like, it is not Alabama. It is, it is Tennessee, Tennessee. Damn it. it is East Tennessee. There's a big difference. <laughs> We, you should handwrite them a letter and tell them what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, that's brilliant. Well, nonetheless, we will uh, find that picture and we'll uh, post that on show notes and see if uh, we can make it go viral again. Yeah, we will. So <laughs> all of that aside, the reason Ryan is here tonight <laughs> <laughs> is more more than anything because we this is an episode we've been really excited about doing kind of since we started the show about diving into kind of I guess the world around medical stuff with our kids. I mean, we, we talked early on in an episode about my huge fear of my kids choking. Um, so we've, we've kind of scratched the surface at some of this to begin with, but Ryan, um, how long have you been practicing medicine or how long have you been an emergency room physician, I guess. Yes. I've been, uh, just kind of working clinically for 13 years now. Um, it doesn't, doesn't feel like that long, but it's, I guess it's been a bit. Okay. So 13 years. And then, um, Isaac, your oldest is eight, eight. Yep. Him and Anderson are basically the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've, you had a handful of years before having kids that you were practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess kind of like the first question to you as a dad is how much has your practice, the way in which you practice medicine changed since you've become a dad to the couple of years you spent in the ER before being a dad? Right. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because um, before having kids, I would always, and I think that it's true for a lot of us is that um, there's, an attitude sometimes that's expressed either um, by coworkers or by parents that that you don't have kids you don't understand um, when we're talking about medical sure. things, and um, and I always thought that that was you know total BS and got really offended <laughs> by that um, you know that I can I, I you know and I think that's true medically obviously you know the the you know approach you take the you know medical facts or clinical judgment all of that stuff. Um, happens irrespective of whether or not you have kids. But I, but I do think there, there was a change, at least with me in the amount of just kind of empathy that you have towards parents and, and understanding that, you know, so much of parenting is just kind of being on this wild ride and even stuff that, you know, in the moment seems like the biggest deal in the world that you're going to look back on and say, Oh man, what was I thinking? Or why, why was I worried about that? But in that moment, that's a that's a real thing, and uh, and to be able to kind of respect that more um, is probably the the biggest change. I don't, you know, it's um it's in some ways made it harder um, when there's um, bad things that happen to similar age kids yeah. as yours. It becomes more personal um, to some degree. It's a little bit harder to switch that off um, when you're when you're done with your shift, but. Um, but for the most part, I think it's given me a lot more of, you know, of parents yelling at you into it at two in the morning, fe- <laughs> feeling like, okay, I get where you're coming from. At least I, I know that, yeah. you know, I will say, I think before we get any further into the show and 
you know, obviously I've said this to Michelle a thousand times and I don't know that you and I have ever had this conversation, but like the level of respect, empathy, and just like love I have for you guys doing what you do. It's funny in all the doctors we've talked to, Mike, I don't know if you remember this when we talked to Kevin Sprouse, but like he specifically said, you know, Kevin's an ER doc or was or is trained in emergency medicine. His whole concept was, I don't know how your wife does it taking care of kids. Like the the level of um care that you guys have, especially because most of you guys went into this field before having kids. Mm-hmm. So to be able to go in as a pediatrician who does emergency medicine, who sees these people at their worst and is working to get them to the next day a lot mm-hmm. of times. I mean, that's that's something that I don't think a lot of people like. And I, don't, I don't know that you that people break it down and think about it on that level, right? It's not a broken arm and stitches. It is. You have a lot of that. But it's also kids coming in, you know, blue and gray that you're bringing back to life. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's there's a level of that that certainly changes once you have kids. I mean, just from my conversations with Michelle of like, it's a, it, what you said about kids coming in that are similar age to your kids is like the most like resounding thing of, I think there's days where she comes home and it's like, you can tell she's a most drained cause you know, she took care of a kid that reminded her of one of ours, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't, I don't know how you guys compartmentalize that. Yeah. That, that become, that becomes a lot more difficult as, um, as you have kids and you're, you know, you kind of get into this day to day of, um, of living your life and then realize, you know, on some level that, you know, for some of those parents, this is the worst day of their lives. And, you know, and it makes you really feel like, um, you know, that it's hard to turn that off, but it, but it also does make you a lot more thankful for what you do have. And, and certainly there, um, you know, I'm sure my kids think I'm weird when I come come home and I like wake them up to give them a hug and they're like, just let me sleep. I got to go to school tomorrow. (laughs) You weirdo. But don't uh, you know, sleep's important, dad. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's helped a lot with, uh, just getting where people are coming from. Yeah. I, I bet it helps on, it has to help on both sides of the table. It's your, I'm not in the medical or have medical professions in my family, um, by any extent that you guys have. Um, but like just bedside manner is so important to me that it's gotta be huge. I don't even, I assume that's the right word, but just your ability to adapt to your patients is just heightened. And then on the same token for parents, it's like you, you, as you just said, you don't understand, you don't have kids. Oh, you, you know how cool it would be. I mean, ER doc. Yes. I have an eight year old kid. Oh shit. All right. This dude knows. All right. He's cool. I'm good now. All right, man. You're going to handle this with care. You're going to try that much more because you actually have kids and you get what I'm going through. Um, and it's just, uh, it's just a level of comfort that, uh, it works on all sides of the table. It's got to. How much do you find yourself, um, sharing with your patients about like your, not necessarily about your kids, but just about like, Hey, I've seen this shit. Like, this is this has happened to me before. Like you're good. Like how how often do you find yourself in that situation nowadays? Yeah, I you know I do that sometimes. Um, the other thing that I that I do that's kind of a um, 
just a rapport building thing. And, and also because I like it obviously is, um, is on the back of my name badge. I have a picture of, um, of yeah. Isaac and Addie. And, uh, and so oftentimes, you know, people will, will see that. And, um, and that's one of the things that, especially when a kid is really nervous, you can say, you know, Oh, look, you're the same age as, as my kids yeah. or, you know, and, and you can show them that. And I think that, you know, obviously translates a little bit to the parents too. So sure. Do you, um, you were talking a little bit about like a few minutes ago about just that, that piece of having the kid and how there was that, em- the level of empathy that's assumed of like, if you don't have a kid, you don't know. Is there like one particular thing that you kind of like illness, ailment, whatever that you can think through that like prior to kids, you were always like, Nah. <laughs> now yeah, that you have kids, a, you're like, yeah, oh, should I get it? <laughs> oh, for sure. It's the it's the um, the two in the morning fever. You know, like <laughs> that is that is the one that you know that in the in the grand scheme of um, medical things, you know, we're we're very comfortable in the pediatric emergency medicine world with fever and you know the workup that's needed, which is usually pretty minimal, and the um, reassurance that you can give, and a lot of times that kind of you know, at two in the morning, you're like, you're just here like with the fever, but everything else is okay. Like that's, that's fine. <laughs> why, why did you come to the ER for this? It's and, two in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Why am I here two in the morning seeing, uh, you know, your child with a fever. Um, and then having been on the flip side and honest to God, been at two in the morning when, you know, one of the kids wakes up roasting and talking with my wife and being like, uh, I don't know. Maybe I should just take him to work. <laughs> and her, her looking at me like, like you complain about this all the time. And I'm like, Oh, you are so right. Like I, yep. Sorry. My bad. Here's some so, ibuprofen. But it's yeah. two in the morning. Yeah. So, so I totally, uh, yeah, now I get it. You know, that's like, when I, when I see that parent, I'm like, no, totally. I understand that, you know, that's why we're here. You know, I don't, I don't have a problem with those visits anymore. I was here last Tuesday with my kid at two in the morning. <laughs> so on that note, you being a doctor, a medical profession, to your kid, is it is it different? Do you go th- in? Do you go into it with a different lens? Do you find yourself like jumping to conclusions, or are you calm and copacetic, and you can <laughs> doctor the shit out of your kids just like anybody else? Or do you have like the heightened? You kind of touched on it. It's two in the morning and it's a cough. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, or do you do you have like the heightened parent syndrome um, often, and you find yourself actually? taking your kids to other doctors kind of stuff. Yeah. Usually, um, you know, the, the common rap of anyone who works of, of all of our physicians, nurses, you know, anyone who works in the ED is that your, you know, child has to be actively losing a limb, you know, before you would bring them to the emergency department. (laughs) So, uh, so unfortunately my kids have fallen prey to that a little bit of like, you know, walk it off, you'll be fine, you know, kind of thing. Uh, so that's good. Yeah. But I, but I try also not to, um, get too involved in that because, you know, and and there's good reason, a lot of our kind of ethical codes, um, you know, through all of medicine, but certainly with pediatrics are kind of predicated on, you know, don't take care of your own family, mostly because you're not going to make objective judgments. You know, you're not, you're not going to be able to be that detached observer of clinical facts. You're always going to insert your emotional um, kind of prejudice into it. And it's, uh, and, and it just makes for bad medicine, 
So, so I try as much as possible not to, you know, delve into that, you know, if it's something really simple, maybe, but, yeah. uh, but for the most part, you know, if we're ever worried about something, it's like, no, you're taking them to their doctor, you know, cause I don't, cause I don't want to be involved. So good. I'm glad I, I didn't, I didn't know medicine. I don't know medicine. I'm glad it's structured that way. It just makes sense. Good job, medicine. It's, good job, uh, medicine people. It's funny. There's been a, there's been one, <laughs> one time since I've been, you know, in Anderson and Michelle's life that we've had to go to the ER and Anderson was just being wild, you know, four year old running through the house and totally face planted into our fireplace mantle and just busted her forehead open and what was crazy was like and this is not a slam on michelle in any way shape or form but like there's times where anderson would like fall and bust her knee open and i'm like yeah she's fine and like michelle goes into mom mode not doc mode Mm -hmm. anderson busted her forehead open and michelle totally went into doc mode because it was like this like cool comic collected like okay anthony go grab paper towels anderson sit right here we're heading to the er in a few minutes we're gonna you know like it was very like (laughs) What I imagine Michelle was like at work, <laughs> and I was like, oh, "It went, shit, we're it went to- past that threshold, right?" But it was like, "Oh shit, we're going to the ER. Like, this is getting real, you know." Like, and then we're in the car driving down there, and Anderson's like dead asleep in the back seat of the car on Michelle's lap. I'm like, "She's got a fucking brain bleed. She's asleep in your lap." And Michelle's like, "No, after traumatic incidents, this is very normal. Kids will pass out, not pass out, but like they'll go to sleep. You know, their adrenaline spike. Like, this is fine. Everything's cool." And, like, it was so funny that, like, <laughs> but, like, that's one of the first times I've seen her, like, kick into, like, doc mode as a mom versus, like, mom mode as a doc, yeah. you know? And um, it's really, it's really <laughs> crazy that, di- no, I'm, I mean, you laugh about it, but it's crazy no, no, that it's difference. Good. Like, it's good. I, I mean, that's one time out of the last five years I've seen that, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's really, it's kind of bizarre. And, and- Palmer, what do you, what do you do? Uh, Cause you're clearly the bystander and not the expert. So like, if this happens, do you just like, like, so like, what, what was really funny about that particular incident was most of the time with Anderson, I'm the one who's like Bruh! freaking out. And Michelle's like, it's cool. That particular incident. I was like, she's fine. She doesn't need stitches. And Michelle's like, no, she needs fucking <laughs> stitches. We're going to the hospital. <laughs> like, you know, it was totally reversed in that situation, but. When you, when you said that she didn't need stitches, I hope Michelle at least gave you like a little bit of an eye roll of like, uh, you know what I do, yeah. right? <laughs> no, my like favorite, this, this is literally my job my, is, my is, is I assess if people need stitches or not. <laughs> like 40 hours a week, this is what I do. This is my life. <laughs> my favorite part about that whole thing was her. No, no, please. I care. I care about your opinion right now. Please <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell me please, about my job. Go on. How many years of school did you go to? Oh, okay, great. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, but, but, my favorite part about that whole situation with her was I'm like, you know, we're and it, I didn't ask her at the time, but like afterwards when we were on our way home, I'm like, so why do you not have a suture kit? Like, why would you not have done it? And she's like, Come, I don't stitch people. The PAs and the MPs stitch me. Like, that's not, I don't do that shit. <laughs> but it was really funny. It's, it's crazy that difference of like when you don't know mm-hmm. how even living in the world of being married to medicine or married into that world. Like I, I would just assume that like you and Michelle would be the people doing that, but it's not that way, you know? So, so it's funny as a, as a parent that is an ER doc or a physician or whatever, like 
there's certain things within that in that realm that still aren't your mm-hmm. your cup of tea, aren't your specialty, yeah. right? Like if yeah. I've got if I've got something crazy going on, I know you're the person, but like you're you're still not the there's certain I'm butchering what I'm wanting to say on this, but there's there's certain like things that procedures and whatnot that get done that like that that we don't do nearly as much as um your certainly as we used to like um right. so before you know we had proceduralists like you know a physician assistant nurse practitioners that were um that were trained to do this um you know we would do all of that the problem is is it's really um time intensive for one and for two it doesn't require special Tra- you know, other than the procedural training. So there's no cognitive, uh, you know, gain that you have from going to medical school to do stitching. Right. Like if you're trained to do it and you do it well and you do it all the time, it's one of those skills that the more you do it, the better you are at it. So when, when we, all of our, you know, when our kids get it, come into the ED and my kids have been there too, is you know I want sometimes that PA. <laughs> yeah exactly we sometimes have parents who come in and say I want a doctor to stitch this I don't want a PA and we're like why the the PAs do this all day they do a fantastic job this is right in their wheelhouse yeah. I mean I can do it I've done it a whole bunch of times before but I'm not as good as you know someone who does it all day every day but so that's what I was going to say it's funny that even still in that world of when you're off the clock and you're a parent not a physician, how you still have that, you know, enough to know that like, I can do this, but I'm, I'm mom or I'm dad in that situation. I don't want to do it. Like there's people that can do that and we can sink an iPad in front of you and it can be a whole nother experience Yeah, other than you laying on the kitchen table and me being like, (laughs) (laughs) like threaten you up, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that as the kids get older, it kind of depends on the, the the level of idiocy that uh, predicated the the injury. So, <laughs> so, you know, Isaac does a lot of stuff that I'm like, you know, if this if this goes sideways, I am stitching you up on the kitchen table just to teach you a Zero lesson. Light because, yeah, there's, there's, there's no way you shouldn't have seen this coming. <laughs> But yeah, for, for most things, so, uh, you know, you you still want, you know, you still want the touchy feely ED. <laughs> right, right. On that note, what is the the worst injury that you've had to deal with with your kids? You know, and and not necessarily saying that you took care of it or like you had to switch to professional mode or uh, you you addressed it personally or or had to just straight up go to. Um, Go go to a hospital for that. Yeah, we've we've had uh, we've had some good stitches. Isaac still got a nice little center of the forehead scar from uh, which which was a great story because because um, my wife Andrea was like, hey, can you watch the kids for a minute? You know, while I take a little <laughs> nap, and I'm like, yeah, sure. So we're downstairs in the basement. They're two and four at the time, and uh, they pulled out one of those um, kind of rubber exercise bands with handles on each end. Oh, no. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, you guys, that's not for playing. Can you go ahead and put that back? So Isaac runs and stretches the thing, you know, to its full length. Addie's got the other handle. So they're doing this tug of war and I'm in the middle of telling them in a very, you know, calm, collected, positive parenting way of of like, you know, this may not be a great (laughs) idea. I don't think this, you know, 
is appropriate toy to be playing with. And then of course, Addie just lets go. <laughs> and then the <laughs> handle she was holding on to just hits Isaac, just, you know, dead center forehead. And, uh, so I had, to <laughs> I don't know why they make the handles of those things like not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't and, make sense. And, and so then it's like throwing now includes throwing star handles. I don't, I don't know why they do this. <laughs> And the best part was it was like 10 minutes into Andrea's nap. So it was like, literally she had just laid just down. She's out. like, I am exhausted for taking care of these kids. I'm like, um, we're going to go to the hospital real quick. Uh, <laughs> who wants to go to work with daddy today? <laughs> and, uh, and then when they uh, went to the hospital, Addie spent the entire time. She was so like taking care of him. I'm like, cause you know, you're in trouble. Like, yeah. you know, she's like laying on the cot with him and like, you know, helping him with the stitches and telling him it's going to be okay. I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what you did. <laughs> Daddy told me to let go. Yeah. <laughs> he said, don't play with it. So I let it go. It's not my fault. <laughs> Following instructions. <laughs> well, so kind of on that topic. So, I mean, that was an example of where you had to kind of jump in and be more parental role or whatever. But so Addie had some issues with her, her kidneys, I guess. Yeah. The best a, yeah. Kidney reflux. Um, so it's a, it's a situation where when you, uh, when you urinate, your bladder doesn't empty completely because some of the urine instead of coming out actually goes back up towards the kidneys and it kind of predisposes you to getting infections. So she had a couple of urinary tract infections and, um, if it's bad enough, you got to get it fixed. Otherwise it's just going to keep happening and the more infections you get, the worse you can have problems down the road. Which she ended up having to get it fixed, right? Yeah. Yeah. So was that a weird spot as a physician kind of having or as a dad who's a physician kind of having to take a back seat and like let your your kid be a a patient somebody who's symptomatic somebody who needs care and having to yeah. be that as a dad who's also a physician yeah it, it was certainly a little bit different feeling um now it's um you know a lot of her initial workup was at our local hospital yeah. but the um surgery she had was actually at a um hospital in Atlanta and it was funny the cuz they were kind of two different experiences mostly for that reason that you know at our local hospital of course people know you know who I am who she right. is and so you know it's kind of a different feel than when you go down to a place where they don't know you which I personally kind of like, cause I, you know, I, I'm, I'm always of the feeling like, you know, if I'm here with my kid, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a, a, dad. I'm just a dad. So treat me like a dad, explain things to me like, you know, like you would any other dad. Um, don't assume I know things, um, that I may not know or may not, you know, yeah. may not remember or may not be able to process given what's going on. So being at a different hospital, um, it, it was really kind of interesting because there, there was a, surprising feel of lack of control, which I know is yeah. common with parents, especially, you know, when they, when they take your kid off to surgery and you, you know, you do the, the hug and the goodbye and, and everything. And you know that, you know, I, I know on an intellectual level that everything's going to be great. They're, you know, wonderful people there. They're all going to do their job just the, the way that, you know, we do every day, but there's just that feeling that, you know, that you're just, you're not there. You're, You're not, not the there, person yeah. doing it. And uh and so it was really kind of interesting. I I was I wasn't really fully prepared for that to be honest. Like yeah. I kind of was like it it took me aback to be like, "Oh wow, this this is really weird and it's something that we do all the time." So, 
Um, so I think it gave me a little bit of insight also to just what that feels like and, and to know that, you know, that people are going to be going through that. Did it hit you there or was it like a, in hindsight thing that you're kind of like, Oh, that was weird. Or were you like, once they rolled her away? Oh yeah. It was, like, it oh, was shit. right when they rolled her away yeah. that, I, that I was like, no, wait, I want to let, let me go back there, you know, kind of thing. Like, let, yeah. what can I, can I just come and just sit and watch and I won't say anything and be, you know, I'll just be a fly on the wall. And yeah. you know, it like that was, that was certainly the feeling. And, um, you know, but, but again, I, I, you know, and they did a fantastic job. Everything went well. And, um, and, you know, it was, um, it was kind of neat getting the discharge, you know, instructions and stuff. And they were asking, <laughs> the, the discharge nurse was asking us like, well, you know, I know you're from out of town, so, um, you know, we'll let you drive back. But if you have any problems, do you know of a local emergency department you could go to? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're like, got it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we, I think we can scare one up in a, in a, in a pinch. <laughs> so. That, that is a, that is a, a, for, for me, it's almost like a helpless feeling the second, the second you, you see them walk away or, and I, and I don't, I haven't even done this with my kids. I've just done this in hospitals with, with family members, but it's, it's a me not being in that space at all. It's a, it's a terrifying place. And I, I don't know if I'm a control person, but I think I may You're be. You're a fucking really control done. person. <laughs> <clears throat> I might be. I might be, but I haven't, I haven't put much time into caring because I have control over the situation. Um, this is my like, podcast, it, Michael, not yours. <clears throat> damn it. <laughs> That's cool. It can be ours if you want to, but, but just, just completely, giving it over to what you hope is the best damn medical person on the face of the planet for this situation. And and you just don't know. You just, there's so many questions and you try to do everything. It's as a person, as a layman in that world, it's, it's, it's a terrifying moment um, for, for anybody, especially as a parent. And I, I haven't had to do it in an emergency ER setting. Um, but uh it's certainly on this side of the table. It freaks the hell out of me. It gives me anxiety just thinking about it. it just it's a powerless situation. So so there, do with that information <laughs> with whatever you want. No, I mean I think that's a big part of it. Like it was really funny going back to Anderson busting her head open on the fireplace. Like it was really not funny. Is not the right word, but like it was really interesting going into that into your all's world mm-hmm. and watching Michelle be like, I want that PA. Mm-hmm. I know that she'll do a good job of it. And like, and then like once we got there, she wasn't in doctor mode anymore. She was full blown mom mode. Yeah. You know, like it was really interesting, like within the parameters of what you can't control doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think that you guys, pediatricians are a different breed within their, (laughs) within their own right. Right. Mm -hmm. So like you, and I mean, and I think that's an important thing. So for you guys being you, and I I say you guys, I'm meaning you and Michelle, because you all are the ones I know you guys could go work in a general peds clinic tomorrow if you guys wanted to, Mm -hmm. right? Like that is your background. Yep. But then you guys went another layer and went in and did emergency medicine within that. Right. Mm -hmm. So you guys are kind of an extra tier. Yeah. So yeah, it's an extra three years of training, um, you know, specifically for emergency medicine. So it's, um, so it's a fair amount of commitment, you know, to say that this is this is what you want to do is to work every weekend and holiday and overnights and so I want to get into this next so so at minimum you can call him doctor. You can. <laughs> yeah, that actually is accurate. You can call him a doctor. Thank you, Michael. 
<laughs> uh-huh. I'm just saying, don't be an asshole anymore. The dude worked for it. I I am kind of curious, and this is something I don't know that I've even ever asked my wife. Like, why? So you're single bachelor dude, <laughs> living the life, mm-hmm. and you decide to go deal with kids all day. Like, what? What was the rationale behind that for you? Um. Well, I think you know it came largely from. Uh, my family are mostly teachers. So I, so I think that was kind of like, you know, had that ingrained for, for a long time. And that probably is, you know, may have been what I did if I didn't go into medicine as I'd probably be teaching. So, um, so I was kind of drawn to that. Um, you know, at the time, uh, ER was a big show and, George Clooney was the ER pediatrician. <laughs> so I figured, you know, if I could mm, uh, <laughs> catch any of he that mojo, well. <laughs> yeah, he did, he did okay for himself. So I'm just, you know, as, as a single bachelor guy, I could have a little of that rub <laughs> off on me, you know, life. that, <laughs> that would, that would be helpful. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I, I really like the, uh, just the variety of it. You know, the fact that you can, you didn't, you never know what you're going to see when you walk in and some days but, can be pretty routine and some days can be just off the charts and it's just, you know, it's a different day every day. But and you could have done cool. that in an adult ER. I mean, you yeah. specifically yeah, chose yeah. to go help kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's another level of, of care, right? I mean, it's another level of kind of, putting your heart out there a little bit. I mean, kids are different than adults, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all, the three of us are adults. We're all assholes and we can acknowledge <laughs> that and accept that. But like kids aren't <laughs> for yeah. the most part. <laughs> so like there's a different level there. Um, I don't, again, I said it earlier, but like, I think that that being able to go care for kids is another level of your guys, not just your passion, but your desire to like do good for the world. Mm-hmm. And that's a big, it's a big thing. You know, there's a lot of innocence in the people you guys are taking care of. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what also drew me to it. And, um, and the other thing I really liked about working with kids is that they don't, they don't give you anything, you know, you got to yeah. earn it. Like they don't, they don't give a crap if you're a doctor or not. They don't, yeah. give, you know, they don't care where you went or what white coat you're wearing. Like you walk in the room and every time you got to earn it. And, uh, and that, you know, at two in the morning, <laughs> two in the morning, they're there for a fever and you got to earn it with that kid. And, and so that's the challenge of it. And it's, uh, it's something that, you know, you, you do it for a long time you learn tricks and you get a little bit better at it, but it's never a gimme. You know, on that note, do you think all of that prepared you to be like, prepared you for fatherhood? Do you think that uh, choosing pediatric prepared you to be like a better dad? Are you able to use those Uh, having to fight, having to fight for every affirmation of a kid? (laughs) Like did did that help you with that? Um, possibly <laughs> i think uh there uh, being a dad you know like it, it's one thing to to win a kid over for uh you know for an ed visit <laughs> you know that's a brief limited <laughs> amount of time it is another thing to like stay on top of them 24 7 so um uh-huh. it, it may be in a minor that. way but it's a but it's in no way uh nearly as immersive as so a, becoming as an er doc does not make you prepared to be a parent period full stop no, nothing prepares you for being a parent are you, are you kidding right, so me that, like that question was <laughs> that question was reaching a little bit all right good question 
So parenting one on one trips is not go go get the certification to be an ER uh, pediatric in, doctor. In all fairness, uh, that was my question that I told Mike to ask. Yes. So I'll no, take, no, the, I'll take but, the hit for that. But in, in yeah, in in the same in the same way that that the shitty question gets put yeah, on. Yeah. No, but the, in the same way that parenting one on one classes can't prepare you to be a pediatric emergency medicine doctor, being a pediatric emergency <laughs> medicine doctor does not prepare you for being a parent. Like, it works. Yeah, both exactly. Ways, they are, they are two different, you know, set of skills um, and and mostly stamina. I mean, that that's the thing about being a parent that's different than being a doc. Is like when I go in, I got eight hours, and, and I know that we, you know, when my eight hour shift is done. I get to go home and, you know, you got to stick with it for 24 hours a day with kids. Michelle seems to be at work for longer than eight hours. Are you guys allowed <laughs> to leave after eight? Does she just go drinking and we, I don't yeah, know we, about we it? Just, we just meet at the bar for like four hours afterwards and say like, oh, it's, it's a rough shift. <laughs> this is <laughs> this took a lot longer this than is we unfortunate thought. though. The truth has come out for her. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but often George Clooney just went to go sit at a bar. So that's and, what exactly. a lot of ass while he was suit. sitting at a bar. I mean, <laughs> it's just not right. It's got to be reality. <laughs> All right, we're going to move. Let's move into kind of a next piece of dialogue. Actually, Smooth like transition. Be, because we should, and we're good at transitions. <laughs> um, just more more medical topic dialogue palmer and i kind of came up with like um we've said probably every episode because it freaks palmer out so much that he's uh fearful of choking choking. um if it's kids started choking (laughs) um just general i hate choking choking. um i hate racist and i hate choking choking, racist um not my thing (laughs) (laughs) so so let's and you, you don't need to go deep on it but truly like give us if you could just give us your take as a dad we uh wearing like an er doc hat um on just your two cents on it it'd, it'd be good if that if that makes sense for you on yeah, this so we'll, we'll throw a topic uh, at you and you kind of give us your your take on it gotcha it's like speed round so Palmer, kind of. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. But but in difference of normal speed rounds, you can take as long as you want. <laughs> um, so Palmer, start because we already said and yeah, everybody choking. knows what it's going to be. Uh, it's fake news. It doesn't happen. Next topic. Phew. <laughs> 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 no, uh, you good, heard it here, good, ladies great, and gentlemen. Grand. Choking never been a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a myth made up by uh, <laughs> by the New York Times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, well, this no, podcast no, no. took a hard political turn. Yeah, the cho- no choking is is one of those things that does freak out. Like any any ED doc that you talk to, that that is one of the big ones, and it and it ends up being unfortunately for all of our kids, there ends up being a total like nonsensical approach. Like if you've seen something, mm. then then you say. You know, so like the little kind of squishy koosh balls. Yeah. Yeah. They're not allowed in my house. See, but I'm going to, I'm going to push you on that a little bit because (laughs) here's my thing. I'll cut up a grape into like 36. Oh yeah. I mean, it gets way cut. Yeah. Strawberries, anything. I I cut shit up way more than it needs to be cut up. Michelle's like, why are you cutting up? Oliver has teeth. He's fine. Like, (laughs) because I'm not dealing with a kid choking. Like that's not my (laughs) jam. Like. I'd rather yes. him be pissed at me for not being able to pick it up than yeah. him choke on it. But like my 
My mom was in charge of, um, she was a speech pathologist and she was in charge. She dealt with a lot of us swallowing disorders and she yelled at me last week because I didn't cut my grapes for my kids. (laughs) And like, it's, 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 it's hot dogs and grapes. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. That's my understanding of a hot dog. That are pretty much death weapons from her. Yeah. And I, and I I more or less have to puree them if I'm going to serve them. God, a pureed hot dog. Honest to God, just made me throw up the thought of that. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely. Uh, yeah, those two are the big foods that, and and yeah, I, th- I think if you took a poll um, or did an observational study of pediatric emergency medicine docs, we probably cut things up a lot more than uh, most people, okay. <laughs> and then probably even more than recommended. It's probably pathologic, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it's a thing. If you if you seen something then for sure that thing is forever prohibited especially when it comes to choking so the takeaway from this episode if nothing else is hot dogs and grapes death instruments absolutely okay yeah, good they're... good takeaway yeah right totally coming after us <laughs> Now, now let's take this one step. Let's take this one step further. Um, what can you do as a parent? Like the best thing, comprehend, understand Heimlich, be able to do Heimlich on your kid's age, appropriate age. Yeah, I think that's uh, you know w- the first thing is always prevention. So you you want to take those higher higher <laughs> cut, higher cut risk things, and you do want to you know like grapes. Even you know literature will bear it out that that grapes yeah. are one of your higher risk foods because they're exactly the right size of the pediatric airway and they're squishy enough to kind of get down in there but not be able to be dislodged easily. So um, so it is one of those that that's one you want to be a little bit extra careful with. You want to cut those up. Hot dogs, similar thing because it's it's all about the size and that you know it fits with that airway. So, um, so you want to cut those up and then secondary things, you want to know things like the Heimlich and and be able to kind of dislodge stuff from, um, basic life support stuff. Have you seen Mike? I have meant a hundred times to ask you about this or tell you about this on an episode. Have you seen those like, and I'm going to totally butcher the name of it, but it's, it's not like a bag, like, cause obviously if somebody's choking, you're not pumping air, but it's like a vacuum that you can like, it's a mask you put on somebody's face and you pump it. And the idea of it is it's like a suctioning thing for like at home have you heard of or seen any of that before yeah i think that's only on like the choking fetish websites that evidently you're i um, spend a lot of time on choking fetish websites but that's you see you seem to be you seem to be like it doesn't have a lot of pediatric yeah relevancy to it normally (laughs) i'm just saying that you've put a lot of research i just don't need to know your google history All right, we're moving on from choking because, again, I think that just strives from one of your fetishes. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to move on to... Fevers. To to fevers. We're going to talk about fevers. Fevers are probably... Over said, overused, um, and but every child just wakes up at two in the morning with a hundred and two degree temperature. Yeah, that's usually when they do it. Yeah, Doc, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, you know, fever, fevers is one of those things that actually, as um, pediatric emergency medicine docs, as compared with the general population, we probably are less worried about those. To be honest, you know, yeah. we we consider fevers being an appropriate body response to fighting off an infection. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. And the the thing 
that matters to us is not even if there is a fever or how high the fever is or what the number is or anything like that, but more, more of what else is going on. So if you've got a kid who's hot and feels kind of yucky, um, that's, you know, to be expected. So if you're not having breathing troubles or, you know, hydration troubles or mental status problems that, you know, it's best to just kind of let those go and, you know, give those a little bit of time. So something that I found really interesting since Michelle and I have been together, normal is 98.7, right? Yeah, 98.6, Within that range. Yep. So what do you... <laughs> do you have to no, ask no, for confirmation on that? No, I'm asking because of my follow-up question. <laughs> do you, 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 you use like a thermometer no, to check up, this, Mike, right? what do you consider a fever? More than I would be more concerned with... 99.5 if it was consistent in trending so northward. So who says 0.5? My fever definition would be 98.7, 98.8 or above because it's above normal. What is, in your all's world, definition of fever? So uh, your core body temperature uh, varies throughout the day. Nerd. So, uh, <laughs> so you get... So I, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, that's, that's I'm, why you don't calculate exactly. a tenth yeah, of a so point I'm gonna, higher. So I'm going to, yeah, nerd out on this. So <laughs> your normal circadian rhythm of your body temperature fluctuates throughout the day. So it has lower points and higher points. So what we determine as a fever is two standard deviations above what the normal range is. So that is 100.4 degrees okay. Fahrenheit. So, that so was anything something... less than 100.4. So if you're 99.9 degrees, that's not a quote low grade fever or yeah. anything like that. That is in the range of normal and we would not do anything special. So for that. that's something that blew my mind since Michelle and I have been together, kids going to school, all that kind of stuff. It's like that wiggle room of two degrees of mm-hmm. like, eh, she's not running a fever. She's only 99.5. In my house growing up, in oh, my yeah. mind growing up, ninety-nine-five is a fever. You know, like it's funny though that, and I'm not. That's not necessarily just an ER doc thing mm-hmm. or a pediatric physician type deal thing. I think that's a general knowledge. Yeah, and, and that's um, yeah because if you take your own temperature at several points during the day. Um, then, you know, you'll notice that there's fluctuations of usually about a degree to a degree and a half. Yeah. Let's see. That blows my mind. Did you know that? Uh, uh, yes, I did. That, that just you makes sense. That's that. why I, I wouldn't put much to it. I did. <laughs> don't, don't rhetorically ask me that question. Of course I did. Yeah. No, no, that don't make sense to me. I did not know the hundred point four, um, or the way, the way it was calculated that that's a uh, super pertinent information to know that's cool Well, i mean it is good to know right but but i would argue that probably if your kid was at school and went to the clinic and said i'm not feeling good and they tempt them and they were 99.5 they'd call and send the kid home right oh absolutely i i i have had my head almost explode in the (laughs) nurse's office of my child's school (laughs) when they have said they've got to go home because they have a fever and um i yeah i have had to try to remind myself that I cannot, you know, com- too much to know, completely to... nerd out. <laughs> to... We could, we could save billions of dollars, maybe <laughs> trillions of dollars a year. If the general population knew that with our but healthcare, th- that's costs. what I'm saying. I mean, that's not something that I feel like you grow, you know, no, you grow I, I agree with you. that 98, seven is normal. Mm-hmm. And then anything above that is a fever. Mm-hmm. 
98 Good, six I'm is glad one. we've come to a consensus on this. All the, all the way up to 100, yeah. 100.4. Well, is now we know that, and since we have millions of now we know this. to our podcast, everybody knows that. But Now we know that. Now the general world. You're welcome, America. <laughs> we just saved you billions. All right, Palmer, go. Next question. <laughs> all right. So the next thing is like a general concern as a dad who's an ER doc. Head injuries. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? That, that there, there are such things as head injuries. Yes. <laughs> well, I know that there are things. <laughs> people, I don't most people it. do have heads, and sometimes they can become odd. injured. Yes. Very odd. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, and that's obviously been a hot topic with all of the kind of concussion stuff that's um, yeah. that's come out. So it, it's um, and and certainly the you know we think of those again on a pretty wide range of severity. Um, and I think some of the things, the, the myths of some of what, even what you talked about with Anderson, that, you know, if you fall asleep after, you know, you hit your head that, you know, you have to keep someone awake or, you know, some along uh, those lines, those are the type of things that, um, you know, we see all the time. There's a ton of misconceptions about head injuries with people that, you know, that come into the ED. Do you find, so Isaac, your eight-year-old son mm-hmm. plays hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine hockey, as much as football or soccer or anything, probably has as much of a high concussion rate. As yeah, it's sec- it's, uh, it's actually third um, in in the list. The first one is football. Second one is actually girls soccer. Um, no way. Oddly enough, yeah. And, really? Yeah. Wow. And then third is ice hockey. Do you find yourself? Because I know you coach for him and whatnot. Do mm-hmm. you find yourself sometimes sitting there with? Wearing your dad happy and like, oh, like <laughs> worrying about things. I yeah yeah. <laughs> did you, you like that laugh? You, you worry about it a little bit. I, I, d- I did. I so you, much. You know, you got to weigh it a little bit against the. Um, you know, it, if you want to completely nullify all risk, then you know you sit at home and you know, play video games, which has right, a right. has a no risk no of, risk of, of significant head injury. <laughs> Or, or very little. I can't, you know, you wouldn't say no, but uh, yeah, face. exactly. <laughs> if you're playing a Wii. And God, I suck. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, so I think you got to weigh those a little bit, but it, but it does have to be a consideration. And I think that, you know, that for me, when I think about it, I, I think about, you know, it's good that he's out, he's active, he's doing something that he enjoys, yeah. he's building, you know, camaraderie and learning about teamwork and all of those things that are really and good wearing with a sports. Helmet. And yes, and obviously, you know, wearing a helmet and that's the one thing that I will um, you know, not skimp on as far as like sure. equipment. Like he gets hand me down everything else, but he gets a new helmet. Um and uh and and then just kind of keeping an eye on it. Obviously, if it became a problem, you know, you worry sure. about the recurrent things. So if it became a problem, then then obviously that would be something that we would, you know, think about, you know, getting getting rid of or doing something different. But um, but for now, it's good. But uh, but I think the increased attention, while um, to some degree, I think it's limited people from what they want to do, which I think is kind of unfair. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, it's good we're paying attention to this. I mean, I remember playing youth football and, you know, getting my quote bell rung, um, you know, <laughs> not infrequently. And then, but nobody ever cared about that, you know. Yeah. So, so it's good that we're paying attention to it. And I think it's going to make things a lot safer down the road. I, yeah. 
Exactly. I think just awareness on that front is uh, pretty important. But what I do think is funny about the physical side of that, so like the way you just put that was super, more or less like calm, right? Like you're very like, yeah, it's a thing, but it's not a thing, but it is, you know. I will never forget. So I was super, Anderson turned five and Michelle decided that we were doing a, we were going to get her a trampoline for her fifth birthday. (laughs) And one, I was like, you're an ER doc and you're getting our daughter a trampoline? Like, that makes zero sense to me. And so Isaac and Anderson were born 10 days apart. You guys were getting ready to go to Disney at the start of the summer. And you guys came over for her birthday and you're like, hey, Isaac and Addie, not allowed to get on the trampoline until we get home from Disney. (laughs) And And I said to you, I'm like, dude, really? Like, Michelle is allowing it. Why are you not? And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't care that they're on a trampoline. I care that they don't break their arm before they go to Disney because if they get on a trampoline, they're going to break something. Like it was just like, <laughs> that, that, you know, people, total, you're just like, hedging people your break things. You're, you're just a risk yeah, analysis. Exactly. People <laughs> break things on trampolines. And if we got six weeks of nothing in front of us, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, people get broken bones healed, but we got Disney that we have already paid for. <laughs> and I am not, hauling a kid around in a wheelchair <laughs> but it was funny because it wasn't like there's it, there's no there's no trip insurance yeah, exactly and there's so so you're not getting your money back but, from that but it shit. wasn't this like no i don't want my kid my kid to get hurt it was this i know my kid's gonna get hurt and i don't want to <laughs> screw up my disney trip right like this is totally different dynamic of <laughs> it's it's called pragmatism <laughs> but it's also called probably working in an er and yeah, being oh, like yeah. somewhat aware of like the likelihood of you getting hurt, like not that hurt so bad that you're not gonna be my kid anymore. Yeah, but no, hurt no. bad enough that like you're gonna really screw up our Disney trip. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're gonna be in a cast. You can't go in the water. This is gonna be, all, you know, everyone's yeah, it's gonna be a bigger pain in my ass than it's gonna be in yours. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I have my Disney vacation planned out. I know what rides I'm going on. I know what <laughs> I got. Our fast passes all set up. I am not having the cast yeah. interfere with this. Don't screw up my and Disney this trip. Stupid ass trampoline is not going to ruin <laughs> you this can vacation. Jump on it as much as you want at the end of May. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's all yours then. Uh, that's just that's just so, smart parenting. That's I all can't that is. Agree with that. All right, we're gonna we're gonna move on to the next one of uh, serious uh, complications that keep us up at night, but they really don't. But um, drowning, drowning slash dry drowning. Yeah, so one of those is real. Um, so, and uh, <laughs> and it's not the one you see on Facebook. Uh, so the uh, yeah, no, drowning is, is actually one of the things that is just like all of us that is absolutely freaks us out um, it can, because it is so different than what people think that it is, you know, like the way it's portrayed in TVs and movies is like this, you know, frantic struggle in the water and the lifeguard goes out to try and save someone and that kind of stuff. And that's just not how it happens. And it's not especially how it happens with kids. It happens when people are around and they're watching and they just don't notice. It's a silent thing um, that, you know, even once you know, and I know this stuff and we have a little, um, kind of like hot tub that we were using as a plunge pool when, uh, when the kids were little and I, me and my wife and Addie were in there and she was probably about two years old and she was standing on the bench, which was about waist height. The, the lower part of the, um, the tub is over her head 
And we were talking and literally looked away for like five seconds to talk about a tree that we were, you know, maybe we should take a couple limbs off this tree. And um, I felt such a, something brush against my leg and I turned and looked down and Eddie's just sitting on the bottom looking up at me. And it was the freakiest thing I think I've ever seen in my life. Reach out, grab her up. She, she, That's scary she shit. was fine. You know, it was just a second, but it really underscored the, the, the theme that we see all the time is that this happens so fast and it happens with yeah. people around and it is not, you know, the, the way yeah. that it's portrayed. And it's, so many times so devastating that it drowning freaks us out for what, sure. What's so interesting to hear you say that is like Michelle, like that's her thing, right? Like of all the stuff that our kids could deal with, SIDS, cancer, broken bones, seizures, fevers, whatever. I mean, I mean, that's a broad range of things, but like drowning is her thing. Oh, that yeah. scares the shit out of her. It's all of our thing. I mean, right? that's, yeah, those you of guys, us who work there, it's it's all of us. But it can happen not even in a body of water, right? I mean, mm-hmm. your old hot tub is no more than three feet at yeah. the deepest oh, yeah. point, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's, I mean, it, it doesn't take but a foot for someone mm-hmm. little. For little, yeah. To, I mean, sure. that's a, and it's interesting that in the world of pediatrics, that that's your guys' thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that that would maybe be the thing in adult medicine as much. Or yeah, yeah, or not, not nearly as much. But it is frightening, and I do think it's something that's important to pay attention to. Mm. And you guys live on a lake. You mm. have a hot tub. You guys have a lot of that. I hate to say potential because I don't mean it in a yeah, no, no, way, it's it's like, true. Like, but we thought about all of that when we when we moved where we moved, you know, because you know we were like, oh, we have kids, and there's a, you know, we're we're on the the Tennessee River. Do you think you thought about it more as a physician having lived that world than you would have as a dad? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that that definitely kind of informed my level of paranoia about it, and you know, we looked at um, a place that had you know, like really easy access to a yeah. body of water, like, you know, just kind of out the back door and a flat level lawn. And I was like, nope, nope, yeah. nope, nope. Like that was, you know, just a non-starter for me um, with the with the ages that our kids were at. Sure. You know, as they get older, you start to have, uh, you know, less concerns about those accidental things. But, you know, we live on the Tennessee River and one of the, you know, the other big risk groups is teenagers, um, you know, who are out swimming and don't know their capability. So yeah. in, in largely open bodies of water, yeah. so less pools and, you know, hot tubs and smaller things, yeah, but more like rivers and lakes. I'm swim to the other side of the river. Yeah, river. exactly. That kind of thing. And so, um, so now I got a whole nother set of things to worry about as, yeah. uh, as we move along here. But so you, you said at the start of that, when we were talking about it, the, the drowning versus dry drowning. So yeah, I don't know how much you want to get into that, but I mean, no, it's it's just it's. You said dry drowning. I've never heard that before. Really, you I have, have no idea. Do you what not it, have Facebook? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Are you I, not I, on social media? How have you not I, I, heard of the dry drowning? <laughs> I've been on it. I haven't Googled it. Google's a dangerous son of a bitch. Yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I don't. No, the, it's not on my radar. No, the uh, so the dry drowning is kind of the. Um, uh, been this thing that's been going around social media that talks about a uh, kid can have, they can get in a body of water, they can have a kind of choking, sputtering episode, 
um, that is hardly noticeable because, you know, kids do that all the time. They swim, they get water up their nose, they kind of cough and gag, and then they keep on playing with their day. Yeah. The, the theory behind what is presented as dry drowning is that that happens, and then like a day later, they drop dead. And it was because of this, quote, drowning episode. Um, and that is just simply not something that we see now. Now there are such things you can, you know, you can have an aspiration event, you know, where you're, where you truly inhale water into your lungs and you're kind of okay after that, but you have some symptoms, but then you develop a pneumonia after that, but that's wildly different than what's being presented. So we have, unfortunately, a lot of people who, um, and it's not, you know, not, ignorance on their part as much as what they've been told is that you know my kid choked yesterday in the pool and now you know they coughed once and i think they might have dry drowning and it's like that's a that's not a thing you've really never heard of that before man i posted about it yesterday (laughs) no i've never i have blogged about this shit so much (laughs) i've been liking all of those stories All right, so I, I have one. I have a question for you as a as a dad who is an ER physician, pediatric emergency room physician. How do you feel about vomiting and diarrhea when you're in the ER? Because let me tell you right now, for some reason, my wife seems to always be out of town with her on her girls' trip when my kids decide to have a stomach bug. So I always have to clean that shit up at home. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have to clean that up in the ER? <laughs> yeah, we we uh, that is a, that is still a parental responsibility uh, when you when you bring your child to the emergency. Is it really? That, it's still parental. Yes, it is, parental that responsibility. Is still That's parental responsibility. I mean, to to a reasonable degree. There are sometimes. <laughs> Where you walk in a room and you and you say, "Oh my God, we're gonna need housekeeping down here," but um, but for the most part, yes, that's still uh, you don't ab- abdicate that when you walk into the ED. <laughs> I just figured that was like, "Hey, newbie, come here, <laughs> room thirteen, clean that shit right. up." <laughs> Literally. Right. Literally. <laughs> no, but like so along those lines, vomiting and diarrhea—that's one that I think for kids happens. Relatively frequently. Oh, yeah. All across the time. their yep. lifespan. Yep. That's one that I think most parents probably don't worry about too much, but then you do run the risk of dehydration and whatnot. Yeah. As a dad who's an ER doc, do you worry about those things as much, or is that not, as, not as much? Because that's usually those things that kind of they happen over time and you can see them coming. And if you're, you know, most of these things are pretty brief, self-limited illnesses. If they're not, you'll be able to tell. You'll have time to kind of get them evaluated um, either by your regular doc or the emergency department if there's bigger concerns. And, you know, it's it's pretty easy in the developed world to take care of that. Right. You know, that that we have IV fluids and Zofran. You know, things in and they, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and all, all the things that we can do that um that it it's a uh, you know it it can be problematic sometimes but there's solutions to it so sure. as long as you're on top of it it's not something that we worry too much about all right all right our next topic we can hit the highlights cuz this can be a, a huge rabbit hole especially it's kind of it's almost a hot hot button item conversation but the flu uh, um people families getting the flu shot not getting the flu shots um and we we're kind of we're certainly at the beginning or certainly just one chapter past the beginning of flu season um it's got to be on the high rise but um talk to me about flu <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Now flu, now Go. flu, you know, dry drowning on social media is uh, <laughs> is not a thing. Um, flu is is, flu. is a thing. No, flu, oh, flu it is, is real. A thing. Oh, I thought. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to go the you complete other that way. Up, yeah, robot. yeah. No, no, no. Oh, oh that's bad. <laughs> no, flu is for sure a thing, and uh, and it's actually a, a fairly dangerous thing. I mean, it, it's. <laughs> For the vast majority of people, obviously, you know, you're going to get the flu. You're going to feel absolutely miserable. It's going to last for a long time, but you're going to be okay. But, um, but there's hundreds of kids every year and a lot of them normally healthy kids who die because of the flu every year. And I think we kind of miss out on that because, um, because it is largely seen as this or it's been kind of, talked about as a harmless illness that you don't need to get vaccinated for. But, um, but the vaccination doesn't even only help you, but it helps the people around you too, because when it comes to flu, herd immunity is really important. So the more people sure. in the community that are vaccinated, the less likelihood sure. it's going to have bigger spread, the less likelihood it's going to affect those people who either can't get vaccinated or whose vaccine um, didn't work for them. So for the patients that you guys see, are the majority of them who come in with flu symptoms, are they people who have gotten the flu shot or who have not gotten the flu shot? It's it's a mixed bag, and that and that's one of the other you know things that I think is misconstrued amongst the population is that if you if you get the flu shot and you still get the flu, that means that that was a waste of time and right. you shouldn't have done that. And that's and yeah. that's not yeah. entirely true because if you build up some immunity to it, even if it's not perfectly matched up, like we know it's not going to be every perfectly every single year, right? It's still going to be a shorter course. It's going to be less a disease, and it's going to provide less of an ability for you to transmit it to somebody else. Well, you were saying that before we started recording when we were talking with Michelle about it, right? Yeah, I, I heard. I got word. I I read some Facebook snippet that uh, said I, I'm on there for just the highlights, um, <laughs> but but just talked about how ineffective this year's flu shot was. I mean, it, and it, I know it took Michelle off guard and kind of made Michelle laugh at it, but I'm um, just kind of a, it's, <laughs> it's just a buzz demographic of people just naysaying uh, the flu shot on it that you hear all the time. Um, and it's become, that's why I preface this with, it's become a hot button topic if, if to do it or not to do it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that's yeah, what I, I think, heard beforehand. Again, those, those are all things that are just, I think it fake is news, fake large, news. Yeah, yeah, it's well, it's. I think it's largely misunderstood. Is no, the problem? You're is right. That, That's exactly you know, right. the The idea of universal vaccination for these diseases is really important because it not only protects the people who are getting the vaccines, but the people who can't get the vaccines. Yeah. And we have those people who are around. If you have parents or grandparents who are getting chemotherapy who can't get vaccines because of that, so they can't. You that, can't get. A flu vaccine, if you are undergoing some the, of that, yeah, depending on the type of you know the really? type of illness. Wow, that you wow, have. wow. Okay, um, and 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 or you don't expect for it to work, even if you if you do get it, and okay. that the flu could be potentially deadly for any of those people who are immunosuppressed, even more than the general population. That the amount of pe- this is this is something that that we need to do for the community this is this is like we are all in this together the idea is if i get the flu shot 
and I'm hanging around somebody who's immunosuppressed who can't get it. My chance of transmitting it to them is, is much lower. Yes, less. significantly less. And okay. that's and that's and even if you don't know someone personally, but I could we still all get sick. I could still have flu-like symptoms and have less of a likelihood of transmitting to that person. Correct. Yes. Okay. And, and the, of course, the chances that you're going to get sick are going to be less. Less, right. So um, so it's not only a personal gain, but it's also a community gain. And that's the problem with all of the, you know, the kind of anti-vaccination stuff, um, even more broadly than the flu, is that, you, you know, this is something that, if you if the community vaccination rates drop to a certain level then we are we start to see outbreaks of diseases that are preventable and deadly the reason that we choose the diseases that we that we vaccinate against are because people were dying from that. So measles is preventable if you get the measles vaccination? It is preventable. That's and, weird. Yes, I didn't know that. And, and it is you know com- and the idea that you know if we just if if we let those vaccination rate rates drop. drop and that there there's going to be these outbreaks and that, that that's acceptable is just ridiculous yeah. because again, you choose the diseases that you're going to vaccinate based on the complications that they're providing. And part of the problem with the vaccine program in general is that it's hard to see success. Like we don't, yeah. It's hard to measure things that don't happen because of the vaccine. So right. if you would say that, oh, there are 10,000 people every year who are alive because of the measles vaccine, but you know, that doesn't, that doesn't garner headlines. Yeah. You know, what garners it's like headlines two people is, this year that had measles. Yeah. It, right. Is, it's a totally different. Yeah. And the, and the autism thing and all of those yeah. things that have, that garner headlines don't say that, yeah, yeah, but this is why it's really important to do that. We didn't choose to do these things just randomly. That this was not, you know, that we people were seeing people die and be severely injured from all these diseases. And that's why we chose those ones to vaccinate against. And it would be like in, you know, in 30 years from now when, you know, if there's a Ebola vaccine, the people who are around who saw Ebola would be the first in line to get that vaccine. Because, hey, that's a terrible disease. So, you know, the the problem is no one around has seen these diseases on a large scale. So no one's seen polio on a large scale or measles on a large scale. Um, and, and even our bad influenza, like the, you know, pandemic outbreaks mm-hmm. that killed just thousands and thousands of people, we haven't seen largely because of vaccinations. That's sad to me. That is kind of a crazy, mind-blowing um, self-neglect that we've done to ourselves. Um, I would love to dedicate entire episodes on that topic, just because it's such a it's, it's such a misrepresentation. Back to that, it's misinformation. Well, speaking along the misinformation realm of things, because you are a physician, you're qualified to answer this. Can vaccines give you the disease that you're getting vaccinated for so if you get a if you get the flu miss or the flu shot or whatever can you get the flu you cannot get the flu from that (laughs) it is that is that is another one of those you can however get flu-like symptoms that last for 24 to 48 hours they're generally mild and when whenever i hear someone say that oh i got the flu shot and and i quote got the flu i'm always like good 
That means the vaccine did exactly what it was supposed to do. So, it primed your immune system. It made your immune system look at it and say, oh, there's flu here. I got to react to it because everything that you feel when you get the flu is your immune system fighting that off. So it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It gave you a trial run of a short little bit of flu-like symptoms, and now you're protected from the real thing. I remember when I was in college, I got the flu shot, and like I a little bit less than a day later, I went and did like a 120-mile bike ride with the cycling team at the University of Kentucky that I was riding with at the time. And I was I got done, and it was like in January. It was colder than piss. And I, was, I got horribly sick towards the end of it. And I think part of it was it was cold and whatever. But it was funny. I was like, oh, that happened because I got the flu shot. And then that was in that whole, do you remember the whole realm of like swine flu? Oh, yeah. That was like a uh, thing. And like, I went, I went, <laughs> yeah, I went to the clinic like not long after that. And they're like, oh no, you have swine flu. Don't show your face on campus for the next seven days because you'll infect the population. But it was funny of like, I taxed my body after giving myself that vaccine. And it was, I don't think it was anything I ever really thought about until Michelle and I started dating and being together of like I probably probably wasn't the best thing to have put my body through <laughs> what <laughs> right I put right myself through that, yeah. right after getting that vaccination. Yeah. So it's logical that I felt those side effects of it. But I do think and Mike, you may be able to speak to this better than I can as a parent who has kids that goes to a physician to get the flu shots and whatnot. Like I don't know that you get prepped for that with your GP of like your kid mm -hmm. may feel shitty for twenty four hours. It's mm -hmm. okay. They don't have the flu. Yeah. Their body is just prepping up to be able to handle that. We should we should talk about that more. I mean, to but be I, honest. But to I'm be honest, yeah. Do you feel like you've heard that of for the four years that you've gotten your kids vaccinated? Four or five years that you've gotten your kids vaccinated? No, 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 no. We don't we don't have that dialogue. We might have sidebar conversations, but no, if if I don't know if we do, I don't think we leave with paperwork. I think I leave with a pamphlet of influenza crap whenever i get it but i mean it's not it's not like a 101 conversation that that we have at the time which would be super helpful uh, just just for the aftermath do you think that's relevant i mean i think that's an important oh yeah it's it's hugely relevant absolutely yeah i absolutely agree i absolutely agree uh yes that was my good flu talk that that was like flu to the degree that i wanted to talk about. yeah no that's good perfect because <laughs> um, i got i guess i got 45 more minutes on it if you want me to <laughs> i got seven eight more dissertations we, i can talk we about got my time, right? if we keep going on flu <laughs> i need another 28 dollars <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna <laughs> we're another bottle. Damn. All right. So we're gonna talk about or meth, or depending meth. on your budget and whatever and whatever Palmer needs. I'm not sure. Big, so big so let's guy. shift 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 gears out of just like um, symptoms and sicknesses and stuff. Um, let's talk. You physician, you're off the clock. You're at a hockey game. What is the most common question that you get asked from from parents so so you're in kroger and they're like oh since i have you here or <laughs> i have <laughs> i i know you're not working but, but um <laughs> i have been meaning to ask you but since you're here um other than the hey can you take a look at this which is always <laughs> it's hugely yeah, yeah, yeah. concerning like that is that is like <laughs> especially because it's usually the parents themselves who are asking that question and um and people yeah. like whoa 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 I am 
I am a pediatrician. Tommy's Tommy's dad, keep your pants on. I'm a pediatrician. Exactly. 18 and up. If you're over 18, then I am not looking at anything. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but the... uh, the biggest, the biggest Send thing. Every pedophile yeah. ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a terrible overlap there. Uh, pediatrician is different. That is. We're both speaking with P, and that's where the similarities exactly. end. Like that is. That's it. That's should it. not right. confuse those two. That is. All right. Again, again, I Facebook, but not yeah. a lot. So I, I get that. I get the lines crossed. I'm I'm glad I'm glad we separated. Yeah, no. The biggest the biggest thing is usually the fever talk. Really, I mean, you know, people people ask me a lot of times about you know, hey, my kid's got a fever. What should I do about it? So, um, because and I think that makes sense because that's obviously the most common thing sure. that that sure. people have. So that's so that's the one that I think you know is more more consistent. You get a smattering of. Does this need stitches or, you know, those kind of questions too. But, um, but for the most part, it's like, do you ever, do you ever think about just making small handout cards, like little laminated cards for them? Let me hand you my fever card. Yes. With like, with like your Venmo, like uh, QR code on the back, like scan that shit and send me five bucks. Thanks. (laughs) Um, All right. So as, this episode's coming out in November. We're in the heart of cold, flu, whatever season. Like, what do you, as a you know dad whose ER doc kind of suggests as the best ways to kind of help your family during this time of year to stay mm-hmm. healthy? Yeah, hand washing is is by by far the most important thing you can do is you know because that's how all of this stuff eventually is transmitted because even though some of it is airborne with coughing and droplet type stuff most of that is like the droplets end up on your hands and then you touch your eyes and you know and get in through a mucous membrane like that so uh so the biggest thing is hand washing so um is it is it weird that we are so stifled as a society by such an elementary thing <laughs> like how simple is it that you know it's Wash yeah it does it hands. does it does actually argue that to when you look at the history of medicine you know the earliest when they were doing the or you know and no one was sterile and no one even like washed their hands they came on came in all, like just with whatever yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. they were wearing and they're doing surgeries yeah. put their sandwich <laughs> on their exactly. abdomen and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and everybody Hold was was dying of sepsis <laughs> and you know the they were they weren't like scientific studies but they were just observational studies of like oh if you started washing your hands like like 50% less of your patients died just because you use soap on your it's a hands. Big number. Yeah. Like, you know, like, Johnny, and, I think that's a high percentage. We should take this and seriously. I feel like we're still kind of at that point when we're talking about like, okay, during cold and flu season, wash your hands because that's the, the most effective way of preventing this. Now it's not, it's not we'll going to prevent there. everything. And, and the other thing is that, you know, especially with, young kids whose immune systems haven't matured yet. They haven't seen a lot of stuff that you just got to be prepared. You're going to be sick. You know, like they, they are not getting through the winter with nothing. So stop worrying about that. They're going to get sick. You're going to help them through it. 
They're going to be fine. You'll be on top of it if they're doing stuff that isn't appropriate for being, you know, just regular run of the mill sick. And, uh, and just realize that in the long run, that's what helps your immune system. That's what teaches it. Yeah. All right. So, so go back to the hand washing because this blows my mind. Um, it doesn't blow my mind. But now, I don't like, feel like, you can say it blows my mind and then very quickly follow up with it doesn't blow my mind. That just seems weird. <laughs> no, clear. No, no, no. Clearly, hand washing doesn't blow my mind. But put you it put up water against, and soap on your hands and put, the shit. I don't. Goes I don't away? understand. I need a schematic or a handout, and I'll then know you. So, so. Put put that up against put that up against um, like using hand sanitizer. Better, not better, or worse, or better than nothing, or so many like our society is latched on to hand sanitizer. We call it sanitizer. I mean, is that good for our kids to use? This is all a the bad time? time to mention that this show is sponsored by Lysol. Lysol <laughs> kills ninety nine point nine percent of germs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not, but you know, no, 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 no. hand sanitizer is good. I mean, I I think it it really is effective at you know decreasing the amount of pathogen burden that you have on your hands, and that's what we care about, and that's good. Cool. Now you can overdo it. Certainly, you know, we we all have those people, and you know, it, and certainly us in the emergency department think of hand sanitizer as a godsend because you know when we're going between patients, especially, you know, we're not at, this is not the general population. Everyone we're seeing is sick. So you have to like scrub your hands after every patient. And in the winter, like my hands are like bleeding and chapped and like, and the fact that you can use hand sanitizer now with equal effectiveness as washing your hands. Um, and I don't have to come home with bloody stumps on the end of my arms. It's great. That, that is something that like, it blows my mind, Michelle's hands in the wintertime. I mean, they're just destroyed. Oh, yeah. That, that, that is the occupational hazard of a pediatric emergency medicine doc, that's for sure. That's crazy. Well, that's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not, it's yeah. not, it's not a job without hazards ER for doc. those of you that, you know, you know, think that this is a cake job of, you know, you go in and there's no personal injury, you know, well, risk you guys at all. work for eight hours and then go sit at a bar and drink with George Clooney, right? That is the perk. I mean, you know, usually. <laughs> all right. And John so Stamos talk, every now and then. <laughs> talk to me about mental health and kids. And I, we bring this up because quite honestly, it scares the shit out of me. Um, I, Kids on computers, kids on screens, kids on social media, um, their social well-being and their social development and ball all that up into mental health. Um, Your dad, your doctor, does that scare you as much as it scares me? Oh, God, yes. I I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not an idiot. Yeah, no. All right, so we're in the same boat. Yeah, it is absolutely terrifying. The the amount of, you know, when I, I, I remember in college when they came out with this thing called the internet, um, which was... (laughs) I remember this. Blew our minds. Like we were, yeah. (laughs) Palmer's about to turn 21. Yeah. (laughs) So, but um but you know and, and 
through the whole kind of evolution of that, you know, in my mind being all Pollyannish about it, I was, you know, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be information for people that, you know, that haven't had information. Like this is going to be such a good thing for humanity. And I have been so utterly disappointed (laughs) in how that has gone. It has just been terrible. And I don't know how kids navigate it these days because, I mean, it is just, it is social media for a lot of people can be a really dark place. And it is, it's probably their biggest proponent of life. Yeah. yeah, And it is, um, and it is a dark place and it is 24 seven. It is not like, you know, if you got and you know, all of us probably had experiences, you know, of getting bullied in school or, you know, things that, you know, things, (laughs) yeah, you (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah, really. Did, really? Just, okay, yeah. I, I, I don't. It was, it was last week. I don't for buy him. that. Yeah, yeah, I was, was going to say. <laughs> no doubt, Palmer got the shit bullied out of <laughs> in middle school. <laughs> but I mean, it, you know, if that happened, you went home, and you know, you had a little bit of time until you had to run that gauntlet the next day, and uh, and kids these days don't have that. You know, they they it is twenty four seven, and if if you're on, you know, if you're if you're getting hammered, you're getting hammered all day long, every day. So in the big scheme yeah. of things, you've been practicing medicine for 13 years, you said, right? Mm-hmm. That's really not that long, but there's been a lot that's, it, there's been a huge evolution in our culture in the last 13 years. Have you seen a big difference in the mental health, psychi- psychiatric health, yeah, absolutely. World in the 13 years oh, that you've been absolutely. in medicine. It's so much bigger part of our practice than than we ever even anticipated. You know, it, it was one of those things that was so used to be really rare, you know, um, and, and really, you know, the kids that you thought there's something really organic going on here that is just, you know, a big deal. And now it's just there, there are so many kids who are otherwise bright, normal should be happy kids who are just miserable and it's it's really hard to come to grips with because um you know it it's just it's a whole different world now and it um and it freaks me out with kids who are have not yet entered that and yeah and i i mean that is my biggest thing is i do not want them (laughs) to ever enter that and and they're already asking at at eight and six they're like some kids in my school have phones and i'm like or youtube channels or whatever no yeah Yeah. like absolutely not like i no, i am holding on to this you are gonna have to have years of therapy about how your dad (laughs) did not let you have a phone but i would rather have that than than some of the stuff that's out there it's just it's just terrible being in the administrative position that you are within the hospital do you and that may not be a fair way to ask the question but do you do you know or see a difference in the focus on mental health that's being taught to ER physicians now compared oh, yeah. to when you guys were going through school. Oh God, yeah, like we didn't get anything. Like we we because really? again because it was such a small like percentage of what we did. What we got was pretty much like, hey, if someone comes in and they're really out of control, this is the medicine you can give them to calm them down. Yeah, and you know, and knock them out until you know they can be dealt with. Services, can yeah, be there to take care of them. And the, and that's just so not the world anymore because there there's 
there's so much volume and the the nuance of it is um is incredibly difficult and you know the when you get that that much volume the the when it comes down to it from an emergency department perspective, I mean, we're never going to fix this problem. Right, like right, that, right. And that, and that's not our job. Our job is to figure out who's really at risk and who's stable. Who, who, yeah. And who can like go home and follow up with services and do all that kind of stuff. And the, the emotional burden of having that on your shoulders is something that, because it's one of those things like with, with medical stuff, I think we have a sense of like what's a reasonable risk to take. Sure. This is all relatively new. And, and the idea that we would mess up and send someone out who shouldn't have been sent out weighs on all of our docs, every shift that we're there. I can't imagine that. Yeah, absolutely. That's heavy and uncharted territory. Good ending to the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yuck. Is this what you meant about light and yeah, very uh, light, and, and very loose. keeping it, you know, low key? We uh, we sorry. started so light, we ended so detrimentally heavy. So your kids are not allowed to have Instagram or Facebook. And I really profiles. enjoyed your guys' podcast while it was uh while it was a thing. I am sorry that uh it is now ended because everybody was so depressed after the last one they unsubscribed. Thanks for killing it for us, man. (laughs) Thanks for giving us your thoughts on mental health, you asshole. But the the good thing is, is that a lot of people are interested in this now. And so, um, no, I do. I do think honestly. It's awareness. awareness. And I do think honestly, there's a lot of people are putting resources into things to address this and, and make this more of a, you know. Yeah, more of a focus um, everywhere because yeah. this is a na- this is a national problem. This is not something that's just a, by any means a Knoxville or Tennessee thing. So I'm going to go a little off script here. We normally for our dad to dad talks, we ask the person we're interviewing to give us their definition of today's dad. We don't normally do that for our regular episodes, and we very well may edit this out. But if you were to give your definition of a today's dad with every all the different hats that you wear. I am curious as to what your what that definition is for you. Yeah, I think that um my definition or at least the thing that I try and focus on is is being a source of stability for kids. I th- I think that's one of the things that um, and it, it may be overly traditional to some degree um, mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the, you know, kind of one parent's role is more of the comforting role and the other parent's role is kind of the more stability thing. And that's, um, you know, not meant to be, you know, gender specific or role you're specific. You're super sexist but, is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> 1950s, you know, like I go to work, I come home, I expect dinner on the table. Yeah, it's not the, pot roast. The kids did I'm not. Yeah, exactly. And no eye contact with the kids. Um, but, uh, but, but I think that there's, you know, for, for me personally, that, that becomes one of the, the bigger roles is to, is to just say that, you know, that, there's somebody who that kids have a sense that there's somebody who cares deeply about you, who cares about the world that you live in and wants to make the world that you live in a better place. 
um, and works hard at both of those things. Maybe he doesn't always get it right, but, um, but is at least making that effort and doing it in a way that's, that's got some consistency to it. Um, and so I think that's what I, um, try and try and focus myself on. No, I think that's good. I just, I was curious because I think we've, for me coming into Anderson's life, not as late, but you know, two and a half years into it as Mm -hmm. I did. I mean, I think you and I have gone through second kids somewhat in similar arenas and all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to kind of, Especially you doing what Michelle does. It's interesting to hear kind of that perspective on it. Yeah. And and I think, I mean, that is the one thing that, that I think is really good about, you know, the times that we're living in now in, in relation to the, you know, 1950s, you know, traditional, you know, kind of Americana family is that, um, is that it it is open to different interpretations. And I think those are all good because even from a, pediatrician perspective when you look at the things that you know evidence-based what matters to kids um structure doesn't matter nearly as much as we used to think it did that (laughs) that honestly it's just you got to have people adults who you know care about you and and who are you know who are in your corner and if you have that you know kids resiliency is is remarkable so uh you don't have to do everything right and you know so I'm you're sure. saying you can screw up a lot. As a, a, a lot. I, I, I personally, kid. yeah, I personally do a whole bunch. That's and, uh, <laughs> so I, so I hope for sure that what that, um, literature tells us is true. <laughs> as someone who screws up a lot, I am a really I, good dad. <laughs> trust me. I know, I know about messing up and doing things that you're like, Oh man, I should like that. What was I thinking? That was a terrible way of doing that. But you know, but I, but I think I did, I did get oh, that brilliant. from uh, my dad, who actually wrote a book on parenting. Really? Yes. And the subject of the book was the ways that they parented us. So, so there were a bunch of stories about me and my sister and what happened when we were kids. And so there would be like a little story, and then they'd say, "This is what we did," and then they'd say, "This is what we should have done." <laughs> You know, they talk is, about your porn addiction a lot in the book. They, they, <laughs> they talked about a lot of stuff. And, by, and, and, and as you would imagine, uh, when I got to college and that book got out, that yeah. all of those stories were about Super me. Weird. Yeah, that went well. That was that was fantastic for my social development. It's good social media wasn't around. Uh, back then. Yeah, <laughs> is that is that still being published? Is that, the, is that um, Amazon? I'm book? not sure if you can get it on Amazon, but it is um, self esteem for tots to teens. Um, we're linking look, that shit. In the look show it notes. up on your like a cool. We'll, we'll link it, it is, if it's still available, it is, man. We'll find it. Uh, we'll find it. it published in the in, uh, it's published in Japanese. I know that. That's good. Yeah. So, um, boom. As well as English. I mean, it, Japanese wasn't the first language it was published. You're not from in. Japan. I am mm-hmm. not from Japan. You got a you got a real strong. <laughs> I don't, can't tell what type of accent that's it that's is. Minnesota. Oh, accent. Minnesota. Okay, my bad. My <laughs> it's bad. it's real close. <laughs> They're very similar. It's, it's, it's almost dead on. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, is it uh, good to I, round up? Are we I, good? I like to round this up. Found a way to a high note instead of leaving it at mental health being the like <laughs> epidemic of our time. Oh. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, whew. All right. Well, hopefully we, uh, we retained our <laughs> listeners. Um, Mr. Dr. Ryan Esquire the third, uh, dude, thanks for taking the time and thanks for hanging out with us this evening. And, uh, thanks for drinking some, uh, bourbon and some Irish whiskey with us. Oh, it was, it was a blast. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks for coming over, man. That was just another great conversation with another one of our, uh, today's dads that we're continuing to build this podcast out with. So I enjoyed that one a lot. You know, man, by association, if we talk to more doctors, I feel I get smarter. <laughs> I'm going to just let you have that one. I'm not going to burst your bubble on that. <laughs> uh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, nonetheless, I, I, I certainly enjoy talking to that guy. Um, awesome guy. Um, awesome guy, Mr. Ryan, doctor guy. Weeks <laughs> worth. Week's work. This is where it is our chance to take ideas and concepts from this week's episode and apply them to our day-to-day lives. The goal is to be better people, better dads, better dudes, better husbands on this planet um, by challenging us and our beliefs, and hopefully we'll be better dumbasses than we were before. Um, so that being said, what's this week's work? Well, you know, we had a really great conversation with Ryan, and there was a lot to take from it. So... um People might have a hard time following how we got there on this one, but this week's week's work is go get your damn flu shot if you haven't done so already (laughs) and convince those around you in your circle to get your flu shot. It'll keep you healthier. It'll keep your kids healthier. It'll make it to where even if you do get the flu, that the symptoms aren't as bad. And then you and your loved ones don't have to wind up in ERs like Ryan's talking to him about how you didn't get your flu shot. And it helps your community and people that can't be immunized as well. So it right. puts your, com- yes, it lessens the community, community risk first. as well. Boom. Uh, solid week's work. I have already done it. So my week's work is a check. Same. Got it done. All right, man. Homework issued, but we don't even have it. That's my <laughs> kind of homework. As always, be sure to share your week's work story with us on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at Wake Dead Drink Repeat and you can use hashtag week's work. You know, however you want to share this one, go for it. (laughs) Just videos of you getting needles stuck in your arm. Um, Thank you for spending your time with us. Thank you for listening to this episode. Um, We truly hope you enjoyed it. We truly hope you learned something from it. Um, We want you to join and share as always. Please rate, please review us. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. And as always, please remember to wake, dad, drink, repeat. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. Please review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow our community. Be sure to get social with us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can check out our website at wakedaddrinkrepeat.com.